0: Hello and welcome back to How to PhD, episode number three. In this latest installment of our doctoral guidebook, we'll be dealing with one of the most important doctoral skills, presenting how to do it and how to do it well.
1: Hi everyone and welcome back. Um, I'm Julia and together with Aaron we will talk about presentations today, right?
0: Yes, yeah, presentations. I think it's one of those topics that uh, can make a lot of people feel very nervous. Um, Others might be a little bit more chill about the whole thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, me having done a lot, I I certainly get nervous um, even having done so many. Uh, would you say that's the same for you Julia?
1: Yeah definitely I always remember that in my music degree when I had to give concerts I was thinking oh I'd rather present something right now with a nice powerpoint presentation in the back than just playing something on my instrument but actually now (laughs) um, it's the opposite I think oh no I'd rather play a song than present uh, my research or whatever so yeah I think the nervousness doesn't really go away does it but
0: um yeah I I think often nerves just mean that you want to do a good job and I think the key thing about presenting is that you you find a way to take those nerves
1: Mm -hmm. and
0: and hopefully with the tips that we're going to talk about today and we've got three key tips on this edition of how to phd um using these tips hopefully you can you can take those nerves and channel it into something that is going to actually be very effective. Um, But maybe yeah. just right off the top of the pack, the fact is, you know, having both of us completed the PhDs and even present very regularly on a daily or weekly basis, um, we still get nervous, right? It's not something that Mm. goes away.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think the more you do it, I think you do get a bit, less nervous and the more maybe you've talked about your research before but um yeah it's it's always um you never know who's going to be there in, in the audience um you always hope that everything goes right with the technical equipment and all that and um, that you remember what you wanted to say but um Yeah, I think today's tips will be really useful, hopefully. So maybe we should just get started.
0: Yes, yes. So as I said, we had three key tips. And this is covering each stage of the kind of presentation creation process. And we're going to start right off the bat with content and how to do that as best as you can. So tip number one is all around content, right? And particularly with content, it's knowing where do you start, right? Do you start straight by going into PowerPoint or do you take a little bit more of a systematic approach and actually uh Julia we're going to recommend a little bit more of a systematic approach right
1: yeah so what I tend to do is um that I try to especially if it's shorter presentation I think I first try to make kind of a script um um, and maybe that's to do with that I'm not a native speaker as well I think it just gives me a bit more confidence um, if I once write it out what I want to say Um I'm not saying that I'm use that to read it out later um, but I use it to kind of build my presentation slides around what I want to say to kind of support that and um, that yeah it just helps me a bit but I think you're taking a little bit of a different approach don't you
0: yeah I guess it's like different in the sort of method but I mean mm. the core aim is still the same in that I, I just do a flow chart right and okay so I mean it's not it's not a script it's not like you know to the word perhaps Mm. but it's very much kind of trying to chart the story Mm. of what you want to what you want to say in the presentation right and that's the that's the key word is is story Um, you want to be able to understand uh, or I guess the best way to think of a presentation is not I think I think there's been this sort of misconception right because of PowerPoint because of the way we do slides that we are presenting but actually with actually telling a story, right? And and things like flowcharts or creating a sort of narrative script lets you see quite clearly on the page, right? Is what you're saying interesting? Does it have a clear sort of flow? Does it have interesting ideas? Is there kind of a, almost like a sort of climax and a cliffhanger? You know, that, and these yeah. are the kinds of things that you do when you build a story.
1: Yeah, and I think um, to build that story, I think it's really important that you think about the audience, right? Because mm-hmm. your story um, that you mentioned, I think that will change depending on who your audience is. So I think that's really important important to kind of take a step back and think who are you presenting to and also why are you presenting because I think nowadays we actually have loads of different ways of communicating research um, you can just like send a summary so why you're presenting it? what's the point what do you want to get out of that I think that's important when drafting that or having that mind
0: yeah yeah exactly it's it's like a i think the example you said once was like it's like a cv right Mm. it's you you adapt your cv when you're applying for jobs to that specific job right and it's exactly the same with the presentation right if you if you target it if you focus it uh, you'll have a much more engaged audience
1: you should cover the cv on a different episode i think might be a good one idea
0: coming in live so that's yeah exactly that so yeah target this i think just to have it as a catchy phrase, you know, think audience, right? Really think about your audience. Who are they and why you're presenting? Yeah,
1: and only after that, really, the slides come in, I think. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the keyword stories, though, you have to give um, some um, examples, for example, that people can relate to. I think that really helps starting. I remember still your presentation. I think you were very early in your PhD and you were like um, starting by giving an example from real life, I think, about software and cars and how you could use that if, somebody's not able to drive for example and you just made it really um yeah so that i could relate to that and think oh yeah Yeah. what if i i couldn't drive because i had a broken leg or whatever yeah it's it's
0: an interesting yeah i mean it's a very common technique if you so here's another tip right um if you look at a lot of ted talks they they nearly always start with a story right and it doesn't have to be um uh, like a huge tale it could just be this 30 second quick anecdote that you say um, that really just sets the scene for what you're going to talk about. So I think in this case with autonomous vehicles, I talked about, you know, the story about someone who might not be able to drive anymore. uh, and, And the fact that, you know, this kind of technology could help someone like that. And, you know, straight away, you know, before you've talked about anything technical, you've set the scene with this anecdote. People know what page you're on. So that's another key tip. So think audience and then think about some kind of anecdote you can use to sort of to sort of set the scene for everything um in a way that people can relate to
1: yeah that's a good point i think you mentioned the ted talks i think you're always um it's it's they don't use that many slides really um which mm, yeah. is i think what we also want to talk about is that the slides are really just there to support what you're saying they're not what you're gonna say if you put everything on the slide that you want to say then why why be talking <laughs> over that, into that yeah. you wouldn't need that so i think that's that's also very important um to keep that in mind
0: yeah yeah that's the, they, they cannot be what you're saying yeah right? they're just there to support so I think really getting into that mindset the slides are just there to support what you're saying they're not to be what you say mm. and I think if you I think that shift in mentality, if you just have that straight away, you're going to think about your presentations in a slightly different way. And actually, I think you'll find that uh, a lot of this kind of how to present and how to talk about it will sort of sort itself out just by putting yourself in the mindset that, you know, I, you know, I I need to ensure that I'd be able to say about this stuff and, and that the, the slides are just there to support what I say rather than Basically, replace me uh, mm. as the speaker.
1: Mm. But the slides, I think, yeah, they have to be good enough, and the story has to be good enough that you really has, you don't really need any note cards anymore. I think the first time I did that, I, you you encouraged me to do that for my PhD interview. I think that was the very first time for me to present. First of all, like, yeah, not my native language, and then second of all, yeah, without note cards. Um, but yeah, if you have your story and the presentation so like well prepared, you really you really don't need anymore, more and, and now I never never use it and it makes me feel quite free you're not worried about having your cards in order exactly
0: all that. I, I think the main thing is that the n- nothing you say should be so complex that you need note cards to be able to say it right mm. uh, you can communicate a lot of quite complex ideas with relatively simple sentences and again you know i'd encourage everyone to look at things like ted talks and stuff because the the speakers in that do a great job of covering some of the most in really complex subjects and tricky areas no. but with such carefully crafted anecdotes a very clear story flow and of course um with the fact that they don't have note cards right and oftentimes they don't even have words on the slide so mm-hmm. probably that's like a step beyond you know what we'd recommend Um, but certainly you know it forces you to think you know about like what's the content you're saying and if you can do that without note cards I think you you get your message across a lot clearer and the key thing is then the audience are listening to you not focusing on the slides behind you and i think that's a really uh effective point
1: and what you were saying i so agree with what you're saying about like the sentences or what you're actually saying should not be too complex because i think you should always put yourself into the shoes of the audience and um Especially, I guess, if you're presenting to quite a diverse audience, maybe people who don't um, have like an understanding of your field, then I think it's so important to make it inclusive and to take everyone on board, like to make it so clear um, what you want to say. Um, so, yeah, think about like when, when you do a presentation, think about how you would feel like listening to someone else and mm. then develop it in a way. Um, I think that that help.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, I think the final point on content um, is really to think about how do you engage the audience? And of Mm -hmm. course, you know, as I said, doing the story flow, doing the anecdotes all help, but also, you know, uh, simple ways of engaging with the audience, right? could be baked into the content of your presentation so simple questions right Um, so for example you know if I'm presenting about automated vehicles or electric vehicles you could do really simple questions right off the top of the presentation uh, around say who here owns an electric vehicle show of hands Mm, you know you can use really like basic techniques like show of hands and and the thing is people then really connect with that they really engage with it
1: yeah but they're also like more advanced I think yeah showing the hands is the simplest way and more safest way especially um I think when I presented to like um, audience with like more um, elderly people then I think that's also something that you don't need a lot of <laughs> you don't have to be familiar with technology or so but there are some um, things that I, I've used them past poll everywhere um, which mm, I thought is quite yeah. a good tool actually to do a live survey in a presentation and yeah again um, that really helps um, to engage the engage people and you can set it um so that the participation in a poll for example is also anonymous so it's quite a lot of, yeah you can play around with that and I think it's it's free um so yeah I think it's quite a good tool what do you yeah do you think? yeah that's yeah.
0: it's a good one there's another one called Padlet as well I know Padlet uh, yeah. lets you I think it lets you sort of Uh, essentially put post-it notes on a Mm. massive wall so like everyone can can sort of see and and that one's actually really easy because people just have to click a link and Mm. they'll be all in the same padlet and that could be really effective when you have say you know 100 people in, in the chat and and you just say oh you know let's let's think about your thoughts about electric vehicles and so maybe mm. that lets you engage with people on a slightly deeper level than just a show of hands yeah. um but of course you know in this online world um you know where people are doing things online there's you know people also might have the cameras on right so you could potentially do stuff like you know hold up like a mm-hmm. colored card or something to the camera you know in yeah. response to questions Another really useful tip and I learned this from you Julia is again often with this online format I think I find that people are a little bit more reluctant to ask questions because it's kind of you have to unmute yourself you have to sort of you have to sort of uh, virtually come out in front Mm -hmm. and often people don't want that kind of awkward moment where they two people unmute at the same time one person talks over and i think people that sort of just puts people off from just jumping in where they would have done in in normal you know face-to-face situations um so use the comments box right i mean Mm -hmm. the all these things like teams and zoom they all have comments box and i find that when i've encouraged students or audience members to just put their questions in the comments box like you don't have to you know unmute Actually, I, I find a lot more people are more happy take to, that, yeah. to take part yeah. in that. I think maybe because they have time to sort of phrase their question mm-hmm. and, and sort of edit it and paste it before, yeah. you know, having to sort of come on, on, on the microphone.
1: Yeah, I also used the comment box once, and I think that worked quite well. Um, at the beginning of a seminar that I was doing, and I was asking, I was giving people five minutes to arrive in the room because I think sometimes people are, are coming from other meetings. So, and then I I just used the beginning of the session to say like, use the comment box um to like say something about yourself, like introduce yourself, and I think that all really creates like kind of a an atmosphere that you are there now in a group which sometimes you you might feel is missing if you're presenting online and yeah that, that can be really nice thing to do as well
0: yeah that's right so i mean i think the old you know to wrap up this point around content is of course you know the actual content of what you're presenting, you know, of course, it will vary depending on, you know, what subject you're talking about. Um, But, you know, ultimately, um, you know, you need to really think about the audience, then think about, you know, the slides that come in based on that, you know, start with a story, start with an anecdote. Um, And of course, you know, I think something that a lot of people forget, and actually, we, we forgot to mention this point, introduce yourself right and 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 talk about yourself you know Uh, i think this is something that a lot of people often forget um Mm simple questions or like just simple things about yourself bring yourself down to earth and connect with the audience
1: yeah and I think particularly um if you do and you you might do that in your PhD like things like public engagement events or public involvement events you don't only have to like um introduce yourself as the researcher I think sometimes it can make you more approachable and um, maybe if you also share a little bit of who are you in the way like in your your private life what what do you like to do in your hobbies do you like going for walks any sports and because i think sometimes that there might be people in the audience who then say oh yeah, I have a similar hobby or i live in a, a similar area um and yeah i think that that can make a difference or be a nice thing to do as well
0: yeah that's right yeah um oh, i forgot to silence my phone great great <laughs> Honestly, that's the
1: number oh one I God, for podcasts, that's,
0: I so, that's such a good point so when you present make sure you silence <laughs> Completely your phone. that I yeah that's not great <laughs> <laughs> so start with the start with the story flow start with thinking about your audience then get into the slides and focus the slides on supporting you telling a story introduce yourself and of course think about audience engagement and use some really basic tools to engage with the audience so i, I think, think that's that's yeah. pretty heavy on content right <laughs> so let's talk about design now and i think this is something that really is very closely tied with content Um, but there are some really really practical design things that you can do um, that we've seen in other presentations which are going to really help you stand out from the rest so design of presentations. so don't worry if you're not a designer I think there's some really simple things that you can do uh, regardless of your background and skill with PowerPoint and graphic design uh, that's that's just going to really help set your presentation apart from from typical presentations
1: mm, yeah and I think again I learned that from you copied that from you <laughs> but I, I noticed that you had loads of slides and I was or sometimes for some um, presentations I say oh you can't have more than ten, 10 slides or something but I think actually yeah um, having a good pace and your slides is a really good thing so I often have loads of slides but i only use them to support like one sentence something i'm saying to illustrate yeah. something and and but yeah i got comments from people that i sent my presentation in advance of saying like oh do you have like 40 slides how are you going to do that in 10 minutes but actually i think it works really well um yeah if you find your your pace right that,
0: that's right yeah think of think of the slides i think this is the main thing they are slides not not pages yeah, right? yeah. and Yet with for a typical 10 to 15 minute presentation, I could have as many as like 30, 40 Mm -hmm. slides, Mm -hmm. which which people look at and think, what? Like, (laughs) what is that? There's way too many. But as you say, each slide might just have a picture on it or just one bullet point. It's a really, you know, be slide free. You know, don't Mm -hmm. don't worry about having slides and split the points across the slides. Think of it as like frames in an animation.
1: How do you feel about like, you know, content slides sometimes or very often you see in uh, conferences, this is my background and then I'm going to talk about my methods and then we're going to talk about my findings and conclusion. Yeah. But how do you feel about Yeah, I mean, it's pretty that? terrible.
0: Right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, okay, here's the thing with content slides. I think the idea is good. But the way it's often presented is that it's like a contents page from a from a report like a or, or, or a the- like exactly a thesis from a book or, or a yeah. thesis, and for a presentation, you need to make the content slide different right and and the way i always do this it's important to give people some structure of what's coming giving them a a taste of what's going to come that's really important so rather than just putting you know introduction background i'm going to talk about my method and stuff phrase it as questions right so you could say in the first part of this we're going to be talking about why are automated vehicles important right Mm -hmm. or um why is molecular biology an important topic for i can't believe i chose a a thing that i have no (laughs) idea about um and then you could say uh, and then we're going to look at why what i did to solve this question Mm. and what things i would do differently for example you know that's you know phrasing the content yeah it's way more engaging people know what's coming up Mm. and it's just it's just easier to read and just more interesting for everyone so don't make your content slide like your thesis report phrase it as questions
1: Mm, but you always use like, I noticed like in the corners of your presentation, you kind of indicate where you are at in your presentation, right? Yeah, so exactly.
0: Of- yeah. So I, again, this goes back to sort of um, kind of uh, design and and structure 101 mm-hmm. for presenting. And once you've laid out this structure for your for your presentation these three or four questions that you're going to answer through your presentation then what I always did is I always referred back to that list of four so that people always could orientate themselves where they were in the presentation right and and as you say just a simple thing that in the top left corner of my presentation I just had the very question that I was covering so the exact wording of what I introduced in the uh, in the content slide would be at the top corner of every single slide that was to do with that question and so people could just orientate themselves they can know exactly where they are it helps so much with that storytelling aspect um, of the uh, of the presentation
1: Mm. maybe we should talk also about some don'ts like design (laughs) don'ts Um, so what was that you i guess for me that's um first of all i hate it if like a slide i mean it sounds very basic but if the slide is full of bullet points yeah. um it's just like it gets too heavy on the eye yeah uh, it's just not yeah and a good way to yeah it's not it's not
0: it. great and i think you know this is what we say you know be slide free you know don't worry about splitting the bullets across multiple yeah. slides if you're if, if you're if you've structured it well if you if you've told the audience what story you're telling you know the 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 presentation will take care of itself in terms mm-hmm. of how those points come across so yeah don't pack with bullets also don't use animations as well i think avoid them i think think about where animations can be really effective so they could help so build a diagram for example mm. they could illustrate how a graph could change but i think overall when you're bringing in bullets or bringing in pictures just the basic kind of yeah. appear transition is is way more effective
1: yeah it often doesn't look very professional i think i'm um, using so many animations i think yeah when i think back of my school times i don't know what was <laughs> yeah, for you but everybody was playing around with yeah. all the effect options that <laughs> like, they were like, like um, word art and stuff yeah and just like yeah but, go
0: all out but yeah it's not it's best to avoid that and also no. it
1: costs a lot of time I think to do these animations and yeah. a simple trick sometimes what I do is um if I just want to change or highlight something in one slide for, so let's say for example circle one word or something then I just duplicate my um my slide and then circle in the next one and then you have a, <laughs> yeah. a nice um animation by just clicking to the next slide yeah. without having a lot of for it <laughs> yeah and i think the so. thing
0: is especially in again today's world with like online presentations a lot of these animations don't come across very well in in a stream that might be a little bit jaggedy or jittery so mm. you know just avoid them and i think it's just all all over you know all around a better yeah. thing to to avoid um yeah and of, of course also, yeah, yeah yeah no i think i think just one more point i want to make is uh acronyms oh I would yeah really yes. try and avoid them
1: yeah, it's so frustrating, I think, if you are listening to a presentation and someone is throwing around a lot of acronyms and you have no idea what they mean mm. and maybe um you are then, you think like, oh, should, should you know this acronym? And yeah. you, then you're scared to ask what it means because you think, should it be obvious? But no, I think it's a no-go to just throw acronyms at an audience where you don't know everybody, whether everybody understands that. And I think it happens quite often to us that we, yeah. we are so familiar with some terms we use it without really noticing. Yeah, it,
0: it happens to everyone. I mean, I, I have to sort of stop myself doing that as well, particularly in, in the automotive context. I mean, there's acronyms for, for almost every mm. single idea in, in the research field. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you, you know, on a very basic level, you don't want to alienate your audience. And I think, yes, if it's if you are so confident that your audience is exactly in your field you know mm. it might be a very specialist conference where that's just the 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 no knowledge about what this stuff is then absolutely go for it but then again you know it goes back to that very early point think about your audience who are they who mm. could they be yeah. and if if there's any chance that there are people who are not exactly in your field you know acronyms don't add any value they just save a bit of time mm. and you can get the same idea across by describing it in full
1: yeah maybe we should about also talk about some positive things <laughs> do like the things that we recommend i think one thing i always got asked um after a presentation is like where do you get your icons from or how do you design your slides um and yeah you you shared that with me um, yeah
0: this is sales. um this is a really good resource if you're looking for kind of icons and things like that. Now, you do have to sort of put a little um, like usage statement on your presentation if you use them. So they're not they're not completely free, but they are free to use for sort of non-commercial use. And it's called Flat Icon. Again, we'll have a link to it um, at the show notes at howtophd.com dot show Uh, but yeah this this is fantastic if you're thinking about replacing bullet points or sort of reducing the number then having you know quite cute or like you know nicely designed icons can really help get that message across um, in a a more effective way.
1: Yeah because I think sometimes some people use like stock pictures from different Mm -hmm. websites and it just doesn't look as neat or yeah like cohesive in the design so I think that yeah that's a good one to use
0: yeah and I think also you know think about designing for an online audience so we mentioned this a few times now but you know a lot of presentations are now going to be online so think about you know using slightly larger fonts you know think about not packing in really uh, detailed things into small bullet points you know again by doing the things we've talked about before, you know, naturally, I think you'll create a presentation that's good for an online presentation, Um, but also consider like inclusive design, right? Think about people who may be dyslexic and um, typically fonts, which are sort of sans serif. So without that kind of tail. So for example, Times New Roman, is a serif font right it has those kind of tails at the end of the at the end of the letters sans serif fonts are better for people with dyslexia so think about yeah inclusive design not using contrasting colors which maybe someone who's colorblind might not be able to might not be able to read um, mm. any other tips you can think of, Julia? No,
1: I think they are really the, these two are the key ones. I, I think I wasn't really aware of that before I did like a, a teaching mm. course, where they really stressed that how important that is. And, um, yeah, I think we, we should all, um, try our best to make it more inclusive and think about that. Um, and yeah, there are loads of, if you just Google as well, like fonts, um, for people with dyslexia, I think you will see all the options that there are and just, just use them (laughs) yeah exactly
0: um and of course you know we've talked about a lot of design related things but you know may not come across as well in like this audio format of a podcast so we'll have some example screenshots from presentations that we've done at the show notes or how to do check them out i think that'll really help in your kind of work with your presentation design right so we've got actually one more point to cover um Mm -hmm. and this is all about preparation how do you prep for that presentation and things that you can do to actually ensure that the the act of presenting goes as smoothly as it can so how do you prepare for presentations right so we've talked a lot about the content a lot about how you design that stuff but now it's that kind of final step of actually preparing for presentation and I think the number one thing you can do is is practice 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 right practice with friends and colleagues practice with yourself um and i think there's there's some things that you can do right julia so i mean practicing with yourself you of course you know time yourself and you know do all that uh, but there's some things that you can do to help kind of optimize the practices with friends and colleagues right julia
1: yeah because i think it's really good i think as a starting point to um practice in front of your friends and colleagues and i think actually some people are even more nervous presenting to people that I know so it's great to get that practice but i think sometimes the only problem i see with that is that um because they're your friends or your colleagues they might be really nice and they might not want to discourage you disencourage you or um criticize you so they might just say yeah that was really good yeah. um, and not really um share all of their um yeah, their thoughts on it. So what I tend to do now, when I, before I present to my friends or colleagues, I, I tell them, please tell me something that you like about my presentation, what you think I should continue doing, um, but also tell me something that you maybe didn't like about my presentation or something that you didn't understand. Um, and I think a good way of finding out whether people understood what you were actually talking about is to ask them, so can you tell me what you learned from the presentation? Yeah. I think this is just a good indicator whether um, the message... Um, that you want to get across whether that actually did came across or not yeah
0: that's that's exactly it and yeah as you said you know say this before you present so that people kind of get into that mindset of of thinking about feedback that
1: they will have to say something exactly that you're gonna doze off or something exactly yeah (laughs) Um,
0: so that's really important because I think that's that's a really really good tip is to have that structure give people structure to their feedback Um, and of course you know I mentioned that at at the top you know and when you're practicing with yourself, you know, time and record yourself, right? So I think the first thing is timing yourself, right? Nobody, here's here's the thing, right? Nobody cares if you're a few minutes under, right? the, The presentation or allotted time, but Everybody hates it when it goes over, right? It's nobody likes presentations that go over the time. But if you're a few minutes under, it's absolutely okay. And Mm. yeah, timing yourself is really key.
1: Yeah, and I remember in a at a conference in Shanghai. I don't know whether you remember that you were there with me. Um, so I was presenting in Shanghai, and the presentation uh, or the conference was organized really, really well. And what they did, like, so that everybody's um really stick to their time, is that they had a massive countdown going on. (laughs) behind you so you were you were very conscious about like really ending in your time because otherwise like that would be the the 10 9 8 it would be counting down you think oh my god so i think yeah please 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 time yourself if if it says like you should present 10 minutes then please present 10 minutes and Yeah. yeah don't feel that you have to rush at the end um so i think i'd always aim if it if it's the 10 minute presentation i personally aim for eight minutes or nine minutes so that don't have to rush yeah that's right
0: that's right and I think again this comes back to thinking about your audience you know don't feel like you have to compress everything that is in your presentation you know really think about what are the key messages you want to deliver and optimize that and you'll find that you'll always hit that time Mm. Um, and I think that's becoming more common that people sort of keep track of the time a bit more rigorously Um, and of course you know another tip is to and nobody likes this and we can say that having started a podcast but nobody likes to record themselves and 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 hear their own voice but it is really a fantastic way to to pick up on the sort of tone of your presentations
1: yeah I think um for my music background I think that's a habit that I got into that um that the most honest way to find out whether you like what you're playing with your instrument or whether what you're saying in a presentation is to record yourself and um, you will probably always be m- even more critical than other people but i think it's yeah. a really good thing to listen and then um just like think as the audience would you understand what you're talking about also is the way that you're speaking is it engaging enough or not um so yeah it, it's a really good thing and so easy nowadays I mean, you can just do it with your phone or um yeah with a recording device, so yeah. I yeah use that opportunity i
0: think i think the key thing is you know if if this was a sort of conversation that you were having about the research that often you know you find that when you naturally speak that you have kind of changes in your tone that you kind of emphasize certain things and you hopefully kind of we're doing re- that yeah I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh <laughs> having said that you know but um you know and i think the main thing is you know when when people present again it's that kind of you you have this sort of Some people, you might have that kind of transition to this presentation mode where you have to present. But rather, again, think of it as a story. Think about you're telling your audience a story about your work. And I think then Mm -hmm. hopefully you can get across those kind of you know, intonation changes and kind of emphasis that kind of makes it more engaging. Um, And I guess on a sort of technical level with presentations, and this is true both for, you know, online and kind of in-person presentations is to, you know, have a look at the room if it's possible, right? Have a check the technical equipment works with your presentation, try loading it up, you know, the day before, Uh, just kind of get into the habit of knowing what to do when things Might not work well if something crashes, you know, where to look to open it up again. These kind of things just kind of set you set you up well. Um, And a little tip from me as well uh, is especially for online presentations, um, you know, the day before or a couple of hours before you're due to present, you know, create a fake meeting in Teams or Zoom uh, and just check that you can screen share. Right. I mean, just check, you know, where the buttons are. You check to know that it looks like you want it to look right so what i often do is start the zoom meeting and then i'll i'll join the same one on my phone and see does everything look good do i look okay yeah. does the sound come across okay and, and things like that
1: yeah we did that all the time i think for our vivas for example i remember yeah. like we were because we both had our vivas online um due to the um corona pandemic so um yeah that, that's really important yeah. uh, it's so nerve-wracking um and you should, you should definitely do that another day like a colleague told me that she had a job interview and she felt she was um super prepared for an interview but then in the end what happened is that she um she was on her laptop but her husband had like previously like loaded some game or something on it <laughs> oh and God. everything crashed completely so yeah just make sure everything is working yeah and, it- yeah checking yeah. the room is also um, important I did that before my we had a like annual review in the first year and I tried to yeah, get access to the room before and I think most of the time people will, will give you the opportunity um, yeah, to definitely. do that. Um,
0: yeah and, and just yeah create a fake meeting just give it a shot try it out and mm. um, and, and these kind of technical things you can sort of avoid. Of course, there is a sort of aspect that, that, you know, as we said, right at the top of the show that everybody gets, we certainly get it still again, and it's, it's nerves, right? Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, it's something that I think the first thing is, you know, to accept that everyone gets nervous, it's a completely normal reaction to feel nervous before presenting in front of people, you know, that's totally normal. You're not unusual for feeling nervous. Um, But You know, despite that, there are things that you can do to sort of control those nerves. And Julia, your sort of musical performing experience actually comes in really handy here because you have a whole load of tips that people can do to sort of avoid having stage fright
1: yeah so i think for musicians it's very common to have like yeah stage fright, and um that's why um in my music degree like we learned like several techniques that can help you um to overcome um yeah or basically just handle your adrenaline and i think one way is to not look at the adrenaline as something negative to yeah just like accept it it will be there and actually adrenaline uh, builds up um before the presentation so actually it's good two weeks before let's say to kind of prepare for if you know there's a big presentation or something really important coming up um, because it does build up over time so it doesn't help if you just start doing something about it on the day um, so for example if you do sports um, start doing sports too weeks before that can already help like reduce the adrenaline levels that will come up on the day. So prepare for that. Um, but of course there are things that you can also do on the day. So I think you have seen me doing that yeah. <laughs> sometimes I do run up and down the stairs, um, before a presentation, not right before it, but like, let's say like 10 minutes before. So yeah. if I can, and um, because that can also you um, reduce the adrenaline uh, levels. Um, and another thing, especially I think for online presentations, um, a thing that I do is that I just press my legs into the floor and also clench my fists um and then I kind of release that and again that's one way, like simple thing that you can do. You, to you have do to hold
0: thing. it for so you have to hold that kind yeah. of clench for For a little, 10 seconds or something, yeah,
1: and then release it, and you can do it again. Especially, I think sometimes when you're the second presenter, you have to wait, then you feel like you get nervous while you're sitting and waiting, and just want to be over with. These are little exercises that you can do
0: useful because it's maybe a little bit difficult to run up the stairs when you're the second presenter, (laughs) yeah. So, so this clenching the fist thing can help. Uh, And there's also, yeah, this was actually, you know, speaking of presentations, I saw this in a TED talk, you know, to go into a sort of power pose. So, um, yeah, I think in this presentation they recommended that you you know find a private place like in a toilet cubicle or something and you just literally have your arms up in the air kind of legs sort of spread a bit and just in a sort of power pose and that's supposed to help kind of set your psychological (laughs) mindset you know that you you build confidence (laughs) yeah yeah. i mean i I think i tried it before the viber and stuff and (laughs) um can't say if it worked or not but it it might have you know helped um Mm. there's a lot of psychology behind this stuff you know we're not experts in this field but you know certainly you know it's something that can these sorts of tips can help but i think also Mm. just right off the top of the bat accepting that nerves are part of the process is also a way you know it's also a way of coming to terms with that and, and just knowing that it's completely normal um and certainly you know for me um you know it's slightly embarrassing but like you know i've got plenty of stories where i i when I'm nervous, I get really sweaty and it's, Mm. it's really annoying. (laughs) Um, even if I'm, even if I, if just sort of like high, like slightly high stress situation. And, you know, I've been presenting at, uh, there was the ITS group, which are a, um, speaking of acronyms, but, um, you know, they're a, they're an engineering group and I was presenting in London and, you know, I, I was, I was so nervous because I didn't feel oh. like I didn't, f- I, I felt like it was the first time I was presenting yeah. that thing. And, um, and again, you know, I, I was just, drenched in sweat right and and it was so obvious on my shirt and i was trying to like keep my arms together oh, it's so yeah it, it's, it's horrible and like i didn't quite realize how bad it was until i went to the bathroom <laughs> and i was like it looked like i would just like, dipped my sides in, in in the ocean so you know you know if you know that kind of stuff you know i now wear an underlayer right so there's a, a practical thing to take away though uh wear a blazer is what i'm saying but no no seriously though you know know your come, body know your body right yeah but you know again Again, come to terms with the you know things that come to terms with the fact that nerves are normal and hopefully with this kind of thing like clenching your fists and, mm. and these kind of tips. Um, and of course, with all the preparation and the good design and the solid content, uh, you can be confident presenting in the future
1: yes yeah i think yeah just as final words i think present as much as you can use all the opportunities yeah, there are that's right. Um, to get into the habit and you'll be great you'll be yeah. great
0: linking back to episode one where we said you know present your research as much as you can take those opportunities um, and yeah use these tips to excel at presenting So here we are at the end of episode three, actually the longest episode that we've ever done in, in the history of how to PhD. Uh, but we're hopefully you've learned something useful that you can take forward into your future presentations. Thank you so much for tuning in and for listening. We do want to hear from you, so do get in touch. You can email us your questions, comments, feedback to contact at howtophd.com. Dot show and of course you can get in touch with us on our Twitter and Instagram accounts at HowToPhDShow and we mentioned this a few times and we'll have some example uh, screenshots from presentations but you can find all the written show notes and the accompanying links to the stuff that we've talked about in the show at www.HowToPhD.Show and of course our final request is to please leave us a review on podcasts or whatever platform you're listening to this episode on it really helps us know that we're doing the right thing. The next episode, Juge, is going to be is going to be quite an interesting one.
1: Yeah, I think it's a really important one for anyone who's doing a PhD because it's about how to kind of start and get your thesis finished. So um, yeah, I think we have a lot of um, tips ready um, for you, and are exciting excited to share that in our next episode.
0: Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. I think this is one of those key things at the beginning of writing the thesis that's going to be really helpful. So. Thank you again for tuning in to How To PhD, have a safe week, take care, and we'll see you all at the next episode.